And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello out there, we're on the air for the first time and not the third time uh, of which we can blame ourselves equally now, but but that's not what's happened. This is the first time we're speaking. I'm Eric Corrine of The Athletic. This is Jurassic Pod. On the other end of this digital communication uh, is my friend, my pal, my colleague, the the scribe extraordinaire, Holly McKenzie. Oh, wow. Holly, how are Hi. you? <laughs> I'm uh I'm well. I'm kind of can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, everything's fine. We're doing well. We've made it through the first <laughs> 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's We're doing great. great. Uh no, actually how am I not well <laughs> because <laughs> of the Raptors uh being down 0 to to the Sixers and I feel like the uh technical difficulties you and I were experiencing was sort of like the podcast version of the difficulties the Raptors were experiencing in the first two games against the Sixers. So spiritually appropriate. Yes. I, I think yes. we can say. So so yes, let's uh things are going great. Um, <laughs> since, since we last talked, my cat went blind, uh, shout out to oh. Nico, who is now bumping into walls. It, it's oh. like 2% cute and 98% very sad. Um, <laughs> she's always a hundred percent cute though. I, I know, but like her bumping into walls. Oh, is, sorry. Sorry. Is, I missed yeah, yeah. 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 That is not cute. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two bilateral detached retinas can happen with cats, uh, when they have high blood pressure. Uh, in, in case you wanted another thing to, to worry about. I mean, you don't have a cat, but bilateral detached retinas sounds bad, uh, like an unpleasant thing. Um, also unpleasant, although in less life-impacting ways, I hope, for most people, uh, <laughs> the Raptors are playing poorly. Oh, uh, boy, let's, let's, take, let's take it... Uh, Let's take it chronologically. Scotty Barnes sprains his ankle in the fourth quarter of a 131 to 111 loss. Uh, it's It happens as Joel Embiid steps on it. Uh, let's just rule this out right now. Joel Embiid did not step on it purposefully. These things happen way too quickly to for that to happen. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, if you want your complaints to be taken seriously, make serious complaints. Um, but nonetheless, it looked like it really hurt, uh, especially by Barnes' reaction. He's uh, didn't play in game two, was in a walking boot. Uh, you know, the vibes remain, you know, pretty positive, uh, at least when speaking to him, uh, it appears. Uh, I'm not in Philadelphia as I continue to re recover from COVID, but nonetheless, <laughs> not great. Uh, not great game one, as I mentioned, 20 point loss, uh, Philadelphia completely outplays the Raptors in their own game, transition and offensive rebounds, uh, which you, is not uh, what you expected. You know, it's bad when you say 20 point loss and I'm like, no, it had to be more than that. Uh, like, yeah. like a 20 point loss doesn't feel like enough of a, enough of a gap to describe 
how awful that that game one felt. Yeah. Um, game two, a 15-point loss. Uh, again, I would say that's slightly flattering to the Raptors. <laughs> um, oh. All in all, the Raptors are allowing, let's see if I can find it, 135.8 points per 100 possessions, which is not good. Their game, in the playoffs! Their game one defensive oh. performance, I, I think according to John Schumann of NBA.com, uh, over the last 25 years was either the third or fourth worst, or, or if you want to look at it positively, uh, Philadelphia's offensive performance was either the third or fourth most oh, efficient wow. offensive performance. Uh, also, we can say off the jump that Tyrese Maxey cannot be stopped. Gary Trent Jr. has been sick and ineffective. Thaddeus Young hyperextended his thumb on his first stint in game one and, and didn't play in the second half of game two. Uh, I think I've uh, about covered it. Holly, thoughts? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, not feeling as, uh, as, as chipper as I was last week when we were debating and discussing. Yeah, but I, I think it's important that you, you run down how your chipperness, but behind your, your chipperness was, <clears throat> was lurk, some fears were lurking, right? Yes. No, as we went through our thoughts about this series, I do distinctly remember saying to you, there was a moment, it may have been when I was talking about Maxi, where I said, ooh, I've said I'm afraid a lot. <laughs> and then I thought, no, no, I think I'm still okay. I think I still feel feel uh, feel good. The, the lesson here is to trust your instinct. <laughs> if you feel afraid, maybe go with that. Uh, I don't know if that's a great lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good to trust your instincts, isn't it? Sometimes uh, I, I think you could acknowledge your fears, but don't don't always let them win out. Like oh like I, I I yeah like like we've taken this to a deeper place. Yeah yeah no I, I mean we were going to get on our BS pretty quickly here, or <laughs> I was at least. But but yeah, like acknowledging your fears is important. I think you acknowledged them last week. Don't you let just, your fears you, rule you. You chose optimism. I don't think that's ever a bad thing, except maybe. Uh, the crush you and and maybe like-minded Raptors fans are feeling right now is a bit more uh, intense. Yeah, intense because you let optimism. That being out. said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> results aside, O two hole aside, uh, watching Scotty on the floor in pain was really difficult. That was awful. That was one of the, like, I think the last time I felt that terrible, like that sick feeling during a sporting event was um, in the finals when Kevin Durant was injured. Like, it's just, it sucks every, like, the air out of the room. It just makes you feel awful just because you just feel so bad. And like you said, we don't really know the extent of that um, injury. They're just saying it's an ankle sprain. He's in a walking boot. Uh, so good to see Scotty at the um, shooter on yesterday, kind of like with his smile on, you know, talking about how he was really scared, but, you know, he's feeling better every day. But I think, I do think for Raptors fans, even almost even beyond this series, uh, I mean, definitely for me beyond the series is just, you don't want to see that. It was just, it was just devastating. Yeah. I had a, a surprise, surprise, a poorly worded tweet, uh, after, or I think near the end of game one, that was something like, I've seen disappointing game one, Raptors game ones before, this isn't that. Um, and I, I certainly could have uh, 
communicated that better. But what I meant by it was, okay, the Raptors didn't perform in game one. We're used to that. Uh, yeah. But part of the whole point of being in these playoffs of this, you know, young team that was going to be an underdog regardless of their opponent <clears throat> in the first in the first round series was to get your young players some experience about what it's like uh to go to be in the playoffs, how it's different in the playoffs versus the regular season, how like individual matchups are different, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh how, you know, preparation is different, how crowds are different and you know, we can define define young in any way we want to. Like compared to us, all these guys are young. <laughs> um, to get even more depressing, uh, but you know, the Raptors' best young player is Scotty Barnes, mm-hmm. and so at the top of the list of reasons to be in the playoffs, other than you know, the point of the NBA is to win, uh, is to get Scotty Barnes specifically that experience and. You know, if his playoff, if, if, again, we don't know any more details than have been given, which is a sprained ankle in a walking boot, we'll see. Uh, he was ruled out on Tuesday morning after being, or Monday morning <coughs> after being called doubtful on Sunday for game mm-hmm. two. Um, if all of the playoff experience he gets is you know, however many minutes he played, the 30 or so minutes. minutes he played in game one, that is through nobody's fault, unless you want to argue that he shouldn't have been playing at that time, which I'm not going to argue, and I haven't really seen anybody argue. Uh, it's like a big organizational, disapp- like beyond disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lost opportunity. Um, again, through nobody's fault, but that's what... That's sort of what I meant when I was saying this goes beyond disappointing. It's deeper this, this, than just yeah, yeah. yeah. This this is like some. This is a a big again. I, I'm going to repeat myself. A lost opportunity for the Raptors. Yeah, no, uh, devastating on many many fronts, and I think especially with Scotty, just knowing what we've gotten to see from him this year, like his personality, his joy, his happiness, the exuberance he plays with lives with like the way he is in every interaction uh it hits so hard to see him look scared like that was the worst part for me and then that's not even mentioning um like you mentioned the loss uh of him potentially if he doesn't come back yeah, yeah. um having this experience he was he was two assists shy of a triple double in his playoff debut like he had 15 points 10 rebounds eight assists and a block in his 32 um, minutes, he had nine free throw attempts uh, to lead the Raptors in that game. Like you, one of the most exciting things in the NBA is seeing how a player will, um, you know, perform in their first postseason, let alone a rookie player. And to look at the season that he had, he came out and he did perform the way that I think we both kind of felt going into the series. Like remember last week we, I said, like, I feel confident that they're not going to be too rattled. Well, (laughs) there were a lot of bad things in game one, but Scotty looked great. And yeah. I I think uh, if I, if memory serves, I have the box score here. He was, you know, only a minus. I don't have the box score here. Great. I believe he was only a minus nine, which you minus know, cons- ten. Pretty close, minus but yeah. minus ten. So like considering where 
you know, a lot of the other starters were minus 19, <laughs> minus 19, minus 23. Like, yeah. that lets you know that he was really impacting <clears throat> how things were going to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and by no means do I think he was the most impactful player on the floor. Uh, I mean, you know, players one, two, and three, and arguably four in, in that end are, are probably <laughs> sixers in this series up into that point, uh, up to this point, rather. Uh, but yeah. You know, 15, 10, and 8, uh, taking advantage of mismatches, uh, looked great off the ball, wasn't a problem in terms of spacing. Like, the, frankly, the Raptors have scored well in this series. They're up at 115 points per 100 mm-hmm. possessions, which is, you know, above their um, season their season mark by, by quite a bit. And that's without those transition opportunities that, the you know, have usually buoyed them or do you say buoyed or buoyed i think i say <laughs> i don't know i i say it in my head i never say that word out loud uh okay buoyed, buoyed? Uh, yeah buoyant something is buoyant yeah but so wouldn't uh, it be but, boy bo- okay i don't know Th- that that's been uh pronunciation <laughs> that's been pronunciation talk with eric and holly um yeah, he was excellent, and it would just, you know, he he's certainly a, much in the way that I, I sort of felt that Jonas Valanciunas was early in his Raptors tenure, like, whenever he does, whenever Scotty Barnes does something great on the court, like, he's certainly a big part of getting the crowd into the game, mm-hmm. and, and so it would be a bummer not to see him play in Toronto, uh, I'm not sure how many more ways we can dissect and discuss this one. That, I think that is whatever happens the rest of the way. I would love to see Barnes somehow. I mean, not at the expense of his health, certainly, because his, you know his long-term health and his off-season are more important right now than this series. I, like it's just the way it is you, you don't want to jeopardize his health at, and the way he can you know his, his runway to getting even better than he mm-hmm. currently is mm-hmm. um let's use that as an opportunity to talk about who has been the most impactful player and i think despite what the numbers say you know maxi had 38 points mm. and then 23 i think you know joel Embiid, as we expected has defined the terms of the uh, of sort of you know terms of combat terms of mm-hmm. competition in this series uh to the point where Nick Nurse was talking about the officials before game 1 he was talking about the officials after game 1 uh before they, game 2 you know during game 2 with Joel Embiid <laughs> um who who uh, you know he Nurse and Embiid <laughs> delivered differing accounts of what that conversation uh was like I, I mean similar themes but maybe a different tone involved <laughs> in, in their retellings um you know the what we thought has basically come to pass in that Embiid and how the Raptors try to deal with him was going to define this series mm-hmm. and whether it has been over fouling or collapsing too quickly, they just, you know, haven't found a way to make him look consistently uncomfortable. And, uh, 
and there's no think, obvious solution. <laughs> I think the answer was signing Marc Gasol before the postseason. Oh, you, that... you, yeah, you'd rather have him than Armani Brooks on uh, I, on the roster. I didn't. I didn't say. In, I didn't name a replacement. I'm just... Well, I'm just saying they signed somebody in between uh, the trade deadline and. Oh and now, my and goodness! Yeah, no. Uh, no, this is, we will not have Armani Brooks slander here, but we will but yes. not. I. Yeah, I, I I think the thing for me was frustrating frustrating as it is to watch Embiid. Uh, shoot what was it i think it was 12 free throws in the first quarter <laughs> yeah he's so he, and so he's up to 25 free throws in the series mm-hmm. uh the raptors i believe have shot 35 free throws in the series so uh Fantastic. and he and in game two he outshot them the raptors by themselves yeah fantastic isn't it <laughs> it's 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 really great if uh, you're in I, philly it's fantastic uh but no i think the thing that uh surprised me i'm i'm not surprised that maxi has absolutely just given the raptors fits because we kind of know that his type of player the team has trouble with i'm not surprised at that because i think going in especially last week we did talk about that like him being a player that scared us what i am kind of surprised and impressed with not that i i'm sure that i'm sure that raptors fans are are dying to hear us talk about what we're impressed with the six yeah yeah we'll just call it sixers appreciation but i am i am impressed with the way everyone on that team has been has been like so willing to step back and kind of just let him have that much of the spotlight you know like like he's on fire so take it like you know like the focus really has been him in a way and uh yeah like i'm i am impressed and i think a little surprised i guess that um james harden has been so willing to kind of let uh the younger guy just go yeah and uh yeah to get to maxi he has been like a big reason why the raptors are losing those non embed minutes which you know, quite simply, they have to win in order to be competitive in these games. And that was sort uh, of the game in game two. Like, Yeah, well, in game one, they lost the first half minutes by, I believe, uh, without Embiid by about four points. In game two, that was 22-11. And, and they were up at the end of the first quarter by two, right? By one, yeah. By one. And then, yeah, yeah Embiid sat to start the second and, yeah, just Yeah, brutal. and uh, I mean, we can see why. Like, Fred Van Vliet for all his defensive gifts, and I think he's like a, you know, a hugely impactful defensive player, it's, you know, his strength isn't staying in front of mm-hmm. jitterbug point guards. It, it's sort of, you know, he can he can defend above his size and he knows when to, like, help inside. Uh, like, th- those are his biggest strengths. And so your next option is Gary Trent. Well, he has the flu or some version yeah. of it and has been a non-factor the extent um, to the extent to his illness uh you know we haven't heard from him but he doesn't seem up, great <laughs> he warmed up with a mask on and there was one point where he was like running back on on uh defense and like when the when the camera like pan like did a close-up on him you could see him breathing hard and slow and I can't describe that except to say I know when you're sick and you're kind of like, 
you just know that feeling where you're yeah. just laboring to breathe to yes, get it's air. A, in. Right, right now, it's when I'm like yeah. going up two <laughs> st- two flights of stairs. That, that's, oh, what, that's what's happening. Um, Awful and. Yeah. And yeah, you take you take Gary out of it, you take Thad out of the game. Uh Scotty's gone. It, outside of just talking about Maxi, we really saw in game 2 like Fred didn't rest in that first half and you could see it. Like the difference in his first quarter, the strong first quarter he had and then his shooting the rest of the game, his legs weren't there. Yeah, he played the first 32 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um <laughs> I I get it. And the Raptors relied on him and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi to a comical degree back in January. Um, and let's not forget, it got them a lot of the wins that allowed sure. them to not only get to the playoffs, but invo- avoid the play-in tournament too, which got you know Van Vliet his, his rest. But, you know, this is a thing, and I think this is where we can get into some, you know, reasonable criticism of how the Raptors have worked this season and managing the dual, you know, priorities of development and winning. Uh, When they were hit by injuries uh, and illnesses in this series, you're relying on Malachi Flynn, who played in fits and starts this year was really only given extended run when absolutely necessary um, when Van Vliet was out and then he got injured quickly uh, which obviously hurts now and he was expected if not to carry the offense to be a secondary offensive creator and that just wasn't happening and OG Ananobi I think he looked much better in the second half uh, of game two, but in game in the first half, I believe the numbers were 30 of the 47 shots that the Raptors took were by Van Vliet and Siakam. All nine assists they had were by those two guys. And I mean, yeah, you take out Scotty Barnes, you sort of expect that to happen because he's a key playmaker for them, but you need guys to be empowered throughout the regular season in order to step into those roles if they do present themselves. And I think whether you want to put that on the coaching staff, whether you say the front office didn't supply Nurse with the right sort of players in order to supplement Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi in January, um, I, I think you could we can fairly say that those la- that lack of opportunity for those players, we don't know if it would have made a difference, but they certainly didn't get those opportunities in a large enough degree to be expect that we could fairly expect them to come up big in these situations. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's all all uh, fair, and I think it like when you mentioned Scotty being out, of course, a lot more of the playmaking is is gonna come down to Pascal and. Fred in another way that just shows the value of Scotty you know we talked a lot about like rookie of the year and you know who whether that would be Mobley or whether that would be Scotty and you know but <coughs> either opinion I can totally understand why someone would pick either of those I players. couldn't even see Kate Cunningham but that's a sure. conversation for not now 
<laughs> I feel like the race kind of is down to those no, two. No, I, I but, think one yeah. of those two will win, but like yeah. I totally get and respect the case for Cade Cunningham. But, yeah. But let's not get lost here. Yeah. But I just think without Scotty and also <laughs> Gary and Ted, but, but just talking about Scotty, you really saw it in that first half, both with the minutes that Fred had to play and just the way the offense was kind of just falling down to those two. I will say that the the player that kind of made me not not looking at plus minuses here because <laughs> those were just ugly for these two games, but I will say that I have been impressed with Precious. Um I feel like he just to see like you were talking about um guys being a, in a position to be empowered to you know do things when they're on the floor. I do feel like we've seen stretches of that from him, both defensively, but also offensively as well. And uh, that makes me happy for him. Um, I do. I just, I feel like we need to talk about a couple positive things. No, we it's been all doom and gloom. Also, Chris Boucher had like a really not good game one and he had definitely the best performance. Yeah, of the 17, 17 and 10, I believe in game two, including six offensive rebounds. Maybe yeah, it was seventeen played, and eight. I, I seventeen and eight, two blocks. But he played thirty minutes, <laughs> and he was only a a minus one. Yeah, it was a very so, rac- recognizably both Chris Boucher performance and Raptory performance mm-hmm, in general. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like it's almost like he is the when he is going well, he is sort of what the Raptors look like he, he's like a microcosm of what the raptors are are doing and general. especially during that stretch in the fourth where they went on that run and had that string of stops like you really just saw yeah you saw a glimpse of the raptors team that we've watched all year being annoying pests defensively getting out and running and making things happen and chris was kind of in the middle of all of that and i was obviously it came too late and it didn't you know last to to change the outcome of the game but it was positive to see that and it was really positive to see chris being part of that especially Uh, when you look at that only playing eight minutes and i don't know what's gonna what he's gonna be able to do coming forward like going Uh, forward i think in general to wrap up the previous conversation and move on to the next one is is the raptors have put a lot of their you know assets or development or whatever you want to say like around defensive players who they're trying to develop on offense and it's funny because (laughs) we're you know the off the defense has been the problem Mm -hmm. but but when a team is executing to such a high degree as the Sixers are and I believe the stat is like aside from Embiid and Harden the Sixers are shooting 24 for 47 from three yeah. in this series. Tobias, Danny, yeah. Maxi, like Gorgia, Maxi. Uh, uh, Niang, like they're all, they're all hitting, like they're all pretty much hitting their, their shots. Uh, I feel like, and like the Raptors Tobias sho- has hit every single yeah. three he's taken. Like it's just, it, it was crazy. <clears throat> yeah. The Raptors are at, I, I think 37 or 38% from three for the series. But like if the other team's shooting 50% and from three, and they're also like, you know, beating Killing you by you one point seven or one point your... <laughs> or one point eight at the at the line, like yeah, yeah, it's that's an impossible thing to make up. But I don't like when you is, say when... impossible because that doesn't well, make me feel great about yeah. Game three, so I'll so. just say the Raptor, but th- this is we'll get to that in a second. But you know, 
uh, as Nick Nurse said, yet yeah, some like yesterday uh, or on uh, Monday after the game, like sometimes you, you don't want to do it, but sometimes you have to go basket for basket with the team, and and mm-hmm. you know Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam just stop were making all their shots at the beginning of the game. It was a 65-point quarter for, for both, when combining both teams. When they stopped making all their shots, you know, it was problematic. And that can't be the recipe. Um, so where do we go from here, Holly? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm going back to Toronto. Game three. Game Said, three. Ba- <laughs> yeah, game three yeah back I'm going to, to game three. <laughs> Said the great Kawhi Leonard, who, wow, wow, it would be nice to have Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and Marc Gasol. <laughs> we mentioned Mark. Hey, let's just bring back Kawhi, too. Uh, yeah, so game three in Toronto on Wednesday. Game four will be on Saturday. They'll actually get two days in between. Uh, uh, we if, don't they're know. Down, if they're down three, nothing. Yeah. Color me disappointed uh, that there are two games in between oh, those games. We don't know who will be available. Uh, certainly hope that Gary is feeling much better um, for his sake as well as the team's. Yeah. So let me provide these two glimmers of hope. Um, Please, I need them. Yeah. I need all of them. If you were to list some <laughs> things that tend to be more dependent on home court advantage, I would say high up on those lists, that list would be one, role player three-point shooting, Mm -hmm. and two, the whistle. So I hate even mentioning the whistle. I don't in like the mentioning series. it too, but I, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, that's very I, fair. I, yes, I don't. Yes. I don't. I haven't done a deep dive study, but you know, I can see how the fans might impact the mm-hmm. refs a little bit because they're humans, just like the rest of us. That's right. that isn't a gripe about the officials in this series. <laughs> I think. To get the conversation out of the way. Here we go, Eric. uh, No, 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 no. I'm just going to say, I think at times, I don't think it's been egregious. I think it's been more or less fair. At times, you could say that the standard being held at one end hasn't been exactly the same at the other end. But I think also, like, look at maybe the two biggest fouls of this series were Fred Van Vliet's second foul in -hmm. game one, uh, which was absolutely a foul underneath on Joel Embiid after giving up an offensive rebound. Uh, Maybe two offensive rebounds, actually. And the second uh, was OG Ananobi's second foul, uh, which was reaching in on James Harden uh, in the situation where you know what James Harden's going to do with five on the clock behind the three-point arc. He's going to try to, you know, rip through and draw that foul. And whatever you what think of it. What did you think of Pascal's second in um, game two? Oh, that was a bad call, I yeah. thought. Uh, I, I, I mean, felt like that kind of riled everybody up from the from the jump. And then, um, I'm yeah. just saying that the Raptors in general <laughs> are not without fault in putting themselves in that position. And as Fred Van Vliet said, let me find the exact quote so I am not paraphrasing him. Um, just, yeah, uh, found it. Um, 
I think we did a pretty good job uh, with their physicality, uh, but at a certain point, we have to stop arguing with the refs and find another solution because mm-hmm. they're not budging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked our uh, I liked our physicality and our intensity, and we showed more bodies, and we seemed to be in the right spots on some of the doubles and things like that. Uh, we'll have to find a way to get our hands out of there. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I do always al- appreciate that Fred is just matter of fact and is like, all right, well, this is what we've got to work with. Let's yeah. go. Like, you, you know, know he, he's clearly not happy about it, um, about the way it's being called. And I don't think like, you know, as much as fans feel it, like f- the players are right in there. So they uh-huh. feel it more acute, acutely. But at some point you have to deal with the reality of it. And Nick Nurse is doing his thing and doing the campaigning that all coaches do publicly to get the refs aware, you know, maybe heighten their awareness, let's say, of of certain <laughs> situations, um, which, is, which is certainly like, I, I have no idea what he actually thinks about those foul calls. He's just doing his job and in, in trying to get the refs to see things in advantageous ways for the Raptors. But uh, I don't think the Raptors can look at the refs and say, that's the reason we're down 0-2. Some of those calls have come at unfortunate times, but if you're, you know, flimsy enough to be, you know, blown away when those bad calls happen, you you don't really get the benefit of the doubt there. And yeah. like they have and been they have been thoroughly the... out they have been thoroughly outclassed, but we've got away from the positivity, Holly, which is that I think those two things are not insane things to swing as a series switches locations. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. And also just being home in front of your fans. Um, let's see what happens. First Why home, do you sound more positive than I do? First home playoff game since uh, game five. Uh, <sighs> speaking, speaking of, uh, you, you mentioned the Kevin Durant injury. Uh, there hasn't yeah, been no, a, there hasn't been a home game in a Scotiabank, home playoff game at Scotiabank Arena. Since game five, which I still think is like the most dramatic basketball game For sure. I've ever seen live. Like even beyond the, the ending of that, it was like, oh my gosh, they could win the championship right here versus, yeah. okay, no, back to, back to, like just the, the swings well, of like, emotion. But, but even like from minute one to minute 48, it's like, oh. oh, what do the Warriors look like with Kevin Durant? Oh my God, they're unstoppable. Oh no, what just happened to Kevin Durant? Uh, why, and then like between the Durant injury, oh. uh, it was just like, oh, the Warriors are showing a lot of fight. They're keeping the Raptors at arm, arm's length. And then they finally get over the hump only to be like, 
the Warriors to have their one final great push of that um, of that series and that I mean, I think they're, the Warriors era is still going on to an extent, but like certainly that run that of things. That version um, of it, yeah. Like, it, like that game, in terms of drama, I'm not saying like quality, but in terms of pure drama, I think it's the most dramatic game I've ever seen. Um, and that was the last time there was a home game at Scotiabanca Arena in the playoffs. And this is why no one can keep track of years, months, or days, because that was 2019, and here we are in 2022, and wow, the Raptors team is a different team than that than that one. <laughs> yep. Uh three former rap three Raptors in that series will be on the floor on uh on That's crazy. Wednesday and one of them will be playing for Philadelphia in Danny Green. Um I mean OG Adanobi was on the Raptors in that series, he just but wasn't obviously not playing. On the floor, yeah. Um you want to talk about James Harden and what he's done in this series? No, yeah. Yeah, I mean I yeah, again, I've been impressed that he's kind of been content to let Maxi do his thing. And, and I mean, obviously, he's still been very good and effective. But uh, I think that the Raptors may be giving him too much credit right now, defensively. Thoughts? You, mean in ter- you mean in terms of their schemes and yeah. the attention they're throwing his way? Well, when, when everybody else on the team is shooting, like... I forget the number that you said, but they're not missing. From yeah. Three, yeah, they're not yeah. missing their threes. I kind of feel like I would focus on that a little bit more. And you know, yeah. if you if if Harden gets starts going off and gets hot or gets loose, then sure, like adjust. But I don't know if I would be paying him the putting the I'm, priority of uh, of defense. On yeah. Him. So Harden for the series is shooting just uh, nine. Nine for nine for twenty six in the series from the field. He's gotten to the line fifteen times. Uh twenty assists <coughs> to six turnovers. Uh there is a certain degree to which the Raptors should probably stay home a bit more. Mm. Um but I also think like we're probably oversimplifying this. And like Harden is a great, smart basketball player and the Raptors, in general, are a team that cuts off the paint, and it's easy to say, okay, send less help. But then, what does that look like in terms of Harden getting right to the rim as opposed to getting into that floater rage, which I think they're okay with. So, yeah. yeah like ultimately, bas- the problem here is that the Sixers are doing all of the things well, <laughs> like really well that, you know, you, you going into the series, I think you would have picked one or two of the things <laughs> to be happening really well for them. They're doing everything great. So. Um, yeah. We are. So Harden's been, despite the shooting percentages, I think he's been very good and certainly a great organizer. And I think um the biggest impact is probably how he's sparking their transition offense. So a lot of those 20 assists have come in transition, and that's without the Raptors turning the ball over a ton. It was eight times in game one, nine times in game two. Uh, they're being responsible with the ball, and it's not mattering. So I, I think we talked about it a bit earlier. In the... If you were to give me like one stat in this series that's like 
oh my god, how is this happening? If you told me before the series and, and gave me it now, I like would have uh, got the most reaction out of me, the most surprise out of me. It's the 51 to 20 fast yeah, break advantage for sure. that the Sixers have through two games. Uh, two before, games, yeah. Before game two, I asked Nick Nurse about it. I asked whether he thought it was because the Raptors are an offensive rebounded minded team and were perhaps crashing a bit too much, not in the right spots. Uh, he didn't sound willing. He didn't, first of all, he wasn't attributing the transition defense to the offensive. Uh, rebounding attempts, um, and I doubt he will be willing to sacrifice those attempts in order to uh, in order to prioritize transition defense to that degree. So, is there a correction here for the Raptors other than do it better? <laughs> like I, uh, which seems to be what Nick Nurse's answer is going to be, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make no no no, no I'm not trying to belittle that, but because that's who the Raptors are to a degree. But is there like a strategic change that you would like to see, or are you in the Nurse school of you know let's be better? Well, this is where it's tough for me because I feel like going into Game Three, a lot of this is going to depend on Gary. Uh, having one of your best defenders available or not available is, you know, a big question to have up in the air. Obviously, I do not think that we will see Scotty in Game Three. I'd be Agreed. surprised too. Yeah, but uh, stranger, like that's, stranger things. Have stranger happened, things have yeah. happened, but that's not even on my list of like this could happen. Like I've, I've just mentally kind of assumed yeah. that Scotty will not be there with Gary. Uh, I just really think that he could help a lot <laughs> uh, if he's if he's there. And I think one of the biggest things um, coming into the series that we talked about was like the Raptors needing to be the Raptors, like needing to be that like aggressive, scrappy, annoying defensive team that causes turnovers, that you know is harassing you defensively, that's getting out and running, all of those things that they haven't done. Um, I don't know how that I don't I don't know if they're able to do that to the extent that I want them to if Gary's not available and that is a little concerning to me. Um Yeah, this is a team And then that also the, just I'm, if you're in if you're in foul trouble you're naturally not going to be able to be as aggressive as you want to be, but like you said they will be home, so maybe that will work in their favor a little more. Uh I don't know, what do you think? Uh, I think they need to get but down by more to start, um, because if you remember in in their last two wins over Philadelphia in the regular season, seventeen to they got two. Down That's 17, what you want to see. Seventeen to two and twenty six to twelve in the in those so, games. So they so need you, to. You you are saying you don't want don't take to... any fouls and just are get you going to be at the game lot. or uh, that's the yet? that's the plan. Not that's on the plan. So you're saying if you're in the arena, you want to experience Scotiabank Arena crowd. Yeah, just completely their, deflated. Their first <laughs> playoff game since Game Five. Looking at a 17 and two score with the team down 0-2. You are a sick. I am. To want that. Yeah, so I'm literally and figuratively. No, there's nothing that I do not want that. But uh, I'm of course. I I get what you're saying. (laughs) Um, they do. Yeah, I I don't think there's a ton of uh, in that specific way. I don't think there's a ton of strategic 
things like to it's do. frustrating to it's frustrating to be in this position and then hear the coach say you just have to do it better but sometimes that's what you've got I mean they've you know? built the, they've built this team's identity all year long to play this way and they're not playing this way and I think that has a lot to do with the opponent. I don't think you, we can just say the Raptors are playing poorly. I think they're trying to impose their will, and they've met a team that so far has been able to overcome that and impose their will on the Raptors. I do and- have to say it's wild to me to see how different this Sixers team looks than the one that we've seen throughout the regular season. Just in terms of like hitting everything just right. like It just, yeah. Yeah, they've they, been great. They're really impressive. Like they, yeah. they, they have impressed me. I'm saying impressive again against the Sixers. Sorry to. No, they've been great. Yeah. Uh, what are the like? They deserve the credit here. They are, you know, it's a very simply, it's a matchup of two different philosophies and two different wills, and you know, you can probably chalk it up first and foremost to the overwhelming talent of Embiid, but also. Mm-hmm. You know, Maxi has been just a huge factor in getting he's been them incredible going in other ways. And you know, in another world, you hope that not that they're the same player, they are not, but you hope that Gary Trent is having that type of series. Like we saw him score forty like a few mm-hmm. times this year. He's certainly capable of thirty point games, and he's for obvious reasons hasn't been able to be that and. For a long time now, the Raptors have, have devoted a large part of, portion of their bench to young players who they're hell-bent on developing, and right now the development isn't to a point where they can supplement or fill in when there are injuries, and so, this is the result. So I do have a question about last game for you. The stretch in the fourth where they went on that run and they had like consecutive stops. I forget how many stops. I think it was like seven in a row or something. Something like that, yeah. Obviously, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. But do you think there's anything from that that can, I don't want to say carry over because in the playoffs, each game is individual. But do you think that that is something that, um, ah, apologies. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that that is something that can affect the next game or that can show the Raptors that they've unlocked something or that they still have it. Like where does that factor in, in for you when you're, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm series? not a big believer in momentum in yeah. any way, which is in a playoff series, uh, mostly because the last time these two teams played like <laughs> one game had nothing to do with the next game pretty much right. um, in a playoff series. Um, but I do think what it does, you hit on it in in the last part of your question, is the Raptors can still play the way they want to and impact Philadelphia defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were forcing Embiid into some awkward shots. He made a few of them. He didn't make, you know, he he went 9 for 16. That's not like setting the world on fire. So if you can, again, big if, if you could limit the fouling, then you're holding Embiid to, you know, something livable. Harden is looking for a call every time he's in the paint. Like, uh, when he doesn't get it, he's he's looking right at the ref. That's his first reaction three mm-hmm. out of four times. And yeah, it's I annoying. have to say, I do have to say, you mentioned <laughs> the differing accounts of, of the conversation between Nick Nurse and Joel Embiid. I'm going to focus on Joel's version right now just for a moment. 
Now, Joel said he, he told him to stop bitching about calls. That was his quote. I'm sure you've seen the clip. Of yeah, him yeah. He told, yeah. Uh, Joel told Nick to stop, stop bitching, bitching about, about calls. the calls. Yeah. That is rich. <laughs> Coming from Joel Embiid. Okay. Like, I just have to say that because he, you you talk about Harden looking at the officials. Joel, it's not like Joel doesn't also look at the officials. So I just, I thought that that was, that was funny. I, if Joel Embiid said that to me, I probably would be like, what? Like, you're the one that's saying that to me? So I just had to say that. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, I mean, there's a long line of big men who no matter how often they think they think they how how often they get to the free throw line they think it's probably half as much as mm-hmm. that's they not should. a criticism it's and just like yeah when he doesn't get the call <laughs> he is often looking at the ref um i didn't think it was that bad on uh on in game 2 i thought it was pretty noticeable in game 1 but uh mm-hmm. i think we're getting off tra- off topic a little bit but yeah um that is a bit humorous, if you want to find humor in this situation. Listen, I need humor. I need good vibes. I need positivity. Yeah, but, uh, you Give know, back more. to your point, I think, like, or your question, I think that the Raptors showed, and yeah, maybe Philadelphia let the foot off the gas, but if this is turned into a half-court series, like, even if they're not turning over the Sixers as much as they would like, and you certainly want to get those numbers up... Um, and they were up, certainly compared to up to 14 from four in game, uh, in game <laughs> yeah. one to game two. Um, but even if they can't get those turnover numbers up to the levels the Raptors would like, they have ways to slow down the machine. Um, some of those minutes came with Embiid on, some of them came mm-hmm. with them off. And so I think, uh, that as Nick Nurse said, like that should, you know, judging on the way they played down the stretch, they haven't lost belief. And as long as you have that, you have, you know, I think they're deserved underdogs the rest of the way. Um, but you have something more than a chance because this isn't an untalented team. Like they've shown they can find many ways to win. Uh, it's different in the playoffs for sure. But I think if anything's going to carry over, it's that sort of belief more than mm-hmm. a strategy or vibes or whatever. It's just, we know when we do this well, we have a chance of slowing them down. And after the first seven or six and a half quarters, you probably couldn't think that. No, yeah, for sure. And I think also, uh, I know we I know we mentioned Kawhi and his, I'm going to game three, quote, <laughs> earlier Tor- in the Toronto, pod- game three. Earlier in the, yeah, in the podcast. Uh, but I do think it helps when you do have Pascal, Fred, OG, um, who've been in situations where you've had to come home and quickly turn things around, you know? Perhaps a how little are you too. Feeling, perhaps how are you a, feeling about your uh, your prediction? Uh, Raptors are Sixers and seven. I'm not feeling good about it. I feel good about you know the the Sixers part. <laughs> in seven, yeah. Yeah, no, well, no, I not should... not in seven. I I, or, I feel good about yeah, the Sixers yeah, yeah. part. Yeah, you know, uh, if I if I, I had to bet right now, I'd say Sixers and five. But uh, but we'll see. I, I like I, I still don't think it's impossible that the 
that the Ra- the Raptors come back and take these two games at home, but like a lot of things are going to have to change. Probably, you know, a few too many things are going to have to change for me to not alter that prediction. Is sort yeah. of how I feel. Well, I said Raptors in six. Well, the, the <laughs> not the last time, but the previous time before that that they went down zero in two series. The Raptor o two in a series. The Raptors did win in six. So, but uh, I will say that my Raptors in six featured Scotty heavily. So, yeah, um, yeah. Want to do a quick Jays talk before we say goodbye? Uh, sure. Uh, how you feeling? You, uh, how how much have you seen? Um, I've seen quite a bit actually, yeah. uh, just because they're on every night. <laughs> God, I love <laughs> like, it. Literally, God, like love twenty it. days in a row. <laughs> uh, love it I've seen so quite much. a bit. Feel feeling pretty good. Uh, God, I just love the team. I just love them. You know. It's so sad about Smiley Tay Oscar going down early in the oh, season. That At was least really it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I, I, I was sort of yelling at my TV while. Uh, while he grimaced after the first pitch, uh, I was like, Charlie, Charlie Montoya, go out there, go talk to him, don't let him swing the bat. And, like, I have no idea if, like, the, the swing he did take made it worse right, or not. Right. And, and they're saying that the oblique strain he has um, is not as bad as as the one that Danny Jansen has, which is another problem. Um, but, God, that, that sucks because... You know, you want your your hitters to be as protected as uh, as possible in a lineup. Uh, but in general, uh, you know, we're still waiting to see the offense come out fully. I would say we're still waiting to see the rotation settle in and uh, reuse start, and and then placement on the injured list is, is disappointing. But um, they're, where they, wanna... they're where they're where they need to be. And oh my God, do I hate games in Fenway Park, which is where the Raptors are next, or the Jays are next. <laughs> I think I want a Jordan Romano jersey. Um, I've never had no, a baseball jersey. I'm definitely too old for one, but uh, he's well, awesome. I currently own an Eric Corrine Jays jersey. Uh, I did not buy it. Uh, Your brother my brother did. bought it for myself, and I very much wanted another player. Uh, and then my brother bought it for myself. Uh, for you, your brother bought it for yeah, you. Yeah, correct. That's English, <laughs> okay. and. Then that player turned out oh, yeah, to that be was awful. We he don't did, need we do to go further that into that. Here. So, like, I was initially annoyed at my brother, mm-hmm. but uh, shout out to my Corrine. Good decision. Uh, never bet, you know, as Fred Van Vliet says, bet on yourself because you can be reasonably sure about the things you will do in or won't do in life. And uh, we don't know these players very well as much as we we'd like to say so did you say, see the clip did you see the clip of Bo hugging uh vladdy i the, did yeah uh dream dream team love them uh yeah want to see the pitcher start to shut shut some some red socks down but uh it's a decent start that's that's what i'll say that's our jays talk that's our raptors talk any other final thoughts holly um, we're going to have a Grand Prix this week. Where is it? It's in Italy, I think. Okay. I think, I think it's like one of two or three. See, I'm not good yet with the, with the schedule and the stops. 
Are you yeah. looking this up for me? I'm looking it up. You keep talking. You monologue. That would be helpful if you do. Um, and my favorite player, my favorite player. See, I'm not, I'm not used to other sports. My favorite driver has a substantial lead um, in the standings, which is really fun. Charles Leclerc. Um, yeah, we've got the the Rolex Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> I love how awful we sound <laughs> pronouncing these beautiful. And there is an Italian. Yeah. There is an Italian flag next to it, so I can only assume that means uh, it's in it's Italy. In Italy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's like three different stops in Italy or it's something. In, it's in it. it's in Rome. Uh, <coughs> that is where it is. Someone's gonna message me and tell me that I'm horribly uninformed, and I do apologize because I am. We know, yeah, we are. I mean, you are, and I am even more so, so we're not pretending I, to be experts. But yeah, Australian Grand Prix was really fun. Uh, loved the time of it. It was like perfect midnight time <laughs> for me. Um, it's just crazy to me watching these races, how quickly and how easily it can all just come apart, like with an engine failure or a crash or going off the track or like, or the tires are, aren't ready or like, it's just crazy to me how you can put this much work and effort and like emotion and energy into it. And then your like hopes can just be dashed like 30 seconds in like that's crazy to me that that happens and again i'm pretty new to this so i don't know if this is like common but it just feels like the the races that i have watched like there's usually almost always like one two three like yellow red flags coming out and like cars having to be moved off and it's just like damn like that's crazy to me i think that's that's pretty normal but i haven't watched in a while I think you should start. I think we need to get you on the Drive to Survive uh, bandwagon first, and then you need to jump in to the full thing. I think I'm going to buy the actual Formula One TV pack where you can watch it on your phone or laptop, and you can watch it live and have the driver cams and radios. I think wow. I'm doing it. Wow. I know. I think I'm really in. So are you all in on Leclerc? Is it Leclerc or Leclerc? Well, it depends on if you're How do you pronouncing. pronounce it? I say Leclerc, but I mean, I don't say it with a crazy, beautiful accent, Yeah. but he has said he's fine with people saying whatever Either. they want. Don't care I what just you call he's... me, just call me something nice. <laughs> I think he's delightful, and I didn't think that he would get out to the start that he has, but yeah, he's been great. Uh, Ferrari has had a really great start. Um, My boy Verstappen won the other... Uh, the other yeah, yeah, the yeah, race. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't... I, I've just heard he's a bit of a Insane, <laughs> insane malcontent. So uh, he, that, that, he that's is. why his, why I've called him my boy, despite knowing his nothing. competitiveness is insane. It kind of reminds me of like Chris Paul. You know how Chris Paul is like a completely different person when he's competing, and it's just like he's almost kind of scary. Yeah, like just so competitive and obsessed. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, last race was terrible. Like he, yeah, they, yeah, it was not a good race for him. Um, but also I really love, um, Haas because I love, uh, their, um, principal. I think that's the term. Sure. Uh, Gunther. I, he's like my favorite character in this whole ecosystem <laughs> character. I'm saying that with air quotes. Uh, he's just hilarious and you'll see him if you watch the show, you'll see a lot that he's just like delightful. And I think they went like last season maybe two seasons without any points 
and he, they have points this year already, so that's like really exciting. It's funny you mentioned Gunther because in uh, the WWE they they changed a famously uh, European wrestler's name from Walter, which you know obviously went over big with me, to Gunther because it sounded more like foreign and heelish. Um, because that's the level of <laughs> maturity we're dealing with here, oh, and uh, so now it's Gunther. <laughs> the uh, the ring general. Uh, I think that about wraps up uh, our conversation in terms of where <laughs> we need to go. See how much happier I was talking about this as opposed to the actual content of our pod because, yeah. Eric, I'm stressed. Yeah, well, uh, the good news is maybe I'll have a lot of time to watch Drive for, to Survive uh, coming up. Do not uh, or say maybe that. Or that, maybe that's bad news. Uh, Holly... Uh, anything you want to shout out uh, in terms no, of your work? No, no? Just, okay. Uh, well, just just good vibes, good vibes all around. Good vibes in Toronto. We're back in Toronto for Game Three. Yeah, to the fans going, get there, get there on time, have fun. Um, Be loud. Yeah, it's been a while, so so soak it in uh, mm-hmm. because uh, these games. Uh, as who was it who tweeted it last night? Josh Hart uh, tweeted. Not being in the playoffs is ass. Uh, so so uh, let's, uh, even though these two games have got as poorly as as we can imagine pretty much, uh, enjoy it because uh, it's easy to take these for granted, especially when mm-hmm. the Raptors are on the, you know, run of success that they're in. But uh, some teams, <clears throat> Sacramento Kings, cough, cough, go a decade and a half without them. So with that in mind, Holly, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank let's, you. Let's... Thank you, listeners. And uh, we will come to you uh, probably after game four, I- I'm guessing. Uh, until then, stay safe. Uh, enjoy the basketball. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See ya! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.